Welcome to EU Code Week Podcasts. We bring coding, computational thinking, robotics, and innovation closer to you, your community, and your school. Hello, everyone, and welcome. We are your hosts, Eugenia Casariego and Ariana Vlasic. Hello, Ariana. Hello, Eugenia. The EU Codewick team is here to provide the latest training, resources and materials in order to transform education and help bring coding and digital literacy to everyone. And as you know, Codewick's goal is to encourage the pursuit of coding knowledge, be it teachers involved in digital education or pupils who want to learn how to code. We do so by trying to provide the best resources, materials and initiatives related to coding and education, as you know, listeners. And that's why this episode will be about Codeoffi, a project that gives young people in Estonia the opportunity to learn programming skills and find a new career path. Today our guest speaker is Karin Kunapras. She is one of the two co-directors of Code Yofi. The Yofi Coding School project aims to help solve the lack of coding specialists in Estonia and possibly beyond by providing a new kind of coding school based on self-learning methods and open to everyone. Welcome to the Codewick podcast, Karin. And before we, we start discussing about the Codeoffi project, can you tell our audience a bit more about yourself and about your work? Hello, everyone. So as it was mentioned, I'm one of the co-directors of Codeoffi. So Codeoffi is the new programming school that was launched in Estonia last year. And previously, what I have been doing is that I've been working in the startup field for about nine years now. I've been involved in different kind of organizations, work with uh, angel investors, and also I was uh, organizing entrepreneurship program for students from all over the world to help them to understand how to get from an idea to an actual product or service to present to investors. So there has been a lot of connection with technology and now I'm uh, one of the heads of the school. So helping people to learn how to code. Uh, what an amazing background. Thank you for joining us, Arin. Now, moving on to Kodiofi Coding School, can you explain to our listeners what it really is? What makes it a modern coding school? What kind of societal problem does it try to solve? And maybe you can also tell us more about how students learn and what do they learn? So how the school works is that we don't have teachers and we don't have classes. We are using 01 education system self-learning methodology and uh, to explain it easily it's a computer program where students have different tasks on programming like really practical ones that they have to solve so they're using this system or program to do those tasks and it's a bit like a computer game because the tasks get more and more uh, difficult as they advance and about 80% of those tasks they have to do with somebody else so the team size differs from 2 to 16 so there's a lot of uh, teamwork involved, so they have to learn how to work with other people and like, how to code with others. And what do they learn is that the system is built in a way that for the first 18 months, it's a bit like a base program. They start off with Go language, then they follow up with JavaScript, then they learn Rust. And for the last six months, there are specializations, for example, like mobile app development, cybersecurity, data management, so they can go more deeply into a specific field. And what we also have in GoDiof is that we have about 30 companies who are our partners. So these are either startups or more traditional economy companies. Their goal is, is that they're future employers. But uh, to help them to get to know our students already when they're studying, they're also participating in developing the program. And we are creating additional modules, additional tasks with the partners. 
so to make sure that the, what the students are studying in their school is what is needed in the job market afterwards. Karin, we often look up at Estonian education system as a very good one within Europe, ranking also very high in international comparison, and as well the way that society is merged with technology in a way, and in the schools, digital skills are being taught from an early age. So what's then the relationship of your coding school with the national education system or with the Estonian education system? So at the moment, actually, we don't have this kind of official education institution definition because according to the education ministry, we don't fit any of the boxes because it's not really common that you have a school that doesn't have teachers. But uh, in general, we've had a really positive reception from other schools, both universities, vocational education and also like high schools and so on. In that sense that I think everybody feels that the current schools are doing a really good job, but we also need to provide different kind of methods of learning. So this kind of classroom and listening to lectures and learning through that, that works really well for a lot of people. But there's also other people for whom it doesn't work and we need to figure out other ways how to teach different subjects. And I think programming in that sense is a really good thing to start off with because how you learn to program is through doing. So like through solving these kind of practical exercises and actually writing the code, that's how you learn. And for that, you don't need teachers because you learn through the experience. There's a lot of materials available everywhere. And afterwards, if you have learned to code and you go to work, uh, we've also talked with a lot of developers from our partner companies and so on. They've said that after you have been uh, employed and you're working, you still use Google a lot or you ask from people from around you. So this kind of education system kind of creates the real life atmosphere, what it would be like to code afterwards when you go to work. In a way, you're breaking the molds of what we understand education and the school to be. So that's, uh, that's very interesting. Definitely. When I started uh, as the co-director of the school, for example, I had to explain to my father, who's 65 years old, how does a school without teachers work? Because I think that was one of the main questions that we got a lot in the beginning, but people understand that, yes, they learn coding, it's a school, but how do you teach something without teachers? And I think now when we're working for almost a year, like honestly say that, yes, you can teach the programming without teachers and it actually works. You mentioned that it's very kind of project-based and practice-based, right? So one of the questions that I'm sure our listeners are also wondering is, what about feedback? How do students get feedback on these assignments? And also, is there grading of these assignments? Mm -hmm. We don't have grading systems. So once they solve the task, they get experience points. So it's another connection to computer games. But what is built into the system is that the students have to audit the work of other students. So if you write code, there's about five to 10 students who have to audit your code. And in our school, we have people with really different backgrounds. So we have people who have started from zero and uh, have not had any kind of coding background beforehand. But we also have students who have studied coding in university, in vocational education, like a completely different kind of career and have come to coding now. So there is a different kind of knowledge base. And this kind of feedback is another way how we involve our partners. So we've had sessions of code review where the developers from the partners show how they would write the code or just explain these kind of like good code and bad code examples and uh, what are the kind of habits that you should uh, learn quite early on and what are the habits that you should get rid of quite quickly. And I think in the future, because we have our first class at the moment, the second one will start in the autumn, definitely like the first class will be really good source for feedback for the new class. They had the experience, they have gone through those tasks. 
so they can uh, share that and tell them how it how it should be done. Indeed, and I think peer learning has a lot of benefits and potential. You've mentioned here and there some of the advantages, but in your opinion, Karin, what do you think are the advantages of this type of learning versus other type of schooling schools that are mm -hmm. more traditional in a way? I think the first thing that I definitely want to emphasize here is that this kind of methodology is not for everyone. There are certain people for whom it works really well and they enjoy the self-learning and having to set their own schedule and having to keep up the motivation and so on. But there are a lot of people for whom it would be super hard and it's not for them. But I think it's the biggest benefit is that it does create this kind of real life experience. You have to find like a lot of answers yourselves. You have to figure it out. You have to ask the people. You have to work with other people. And this kind of gives the atmosphere what you would have if you go and work afterwards. Kind of like a soft landing before they actually jump into the job market. So this uh, real-time experience is really, really very important and will help them become more prepared for their future jobs. Let's talk a bit about the beginning. How did Code Coding School start? What was this idea behind the project? The origin story of Code Office is actually really interesting because the idea came from the private sector. So there are eight founders to Code Office and all of them are well-known entrepreneurs from Estonia startup sector. For example, we have one of the co-founders of Bolt. Also wise, we have uh, really well-known startup investors and so on. And where the idea came from uh, is that when they were building their own companies, they just felt the lack of software engineers and they saw that there's a huge need in the market. So not for only startups, but also like other sectors. I think what we've all seen in different countries is that the companies are more and more turning into technology companies. So when we talk about uh, music, agriculture, manufacturing, everywhere, you can make things more efficient with technology, which means that we need more and more people who know uh, technology and actually can write code. The founders actually heard about the Zero One Education System methodology. Uh, they went to visit the school and they decided that they should bring this to Estonia. That's how it happens. We do have some support also from the government for the renovation of our school building. But uh, most of the financing is also from the private sector, from our founders, from our partner companies who are making sure that this uh, school is a success. And also when it comes to private sector, like the partners that we have on board it, they are the future employers. My question would now be about the future of uh, your school. So in an ideal scenario, where do you see Code Yofi, let's say, five years from now? So our ambition is to definitely to grow, to accept more students. Uh, we already have international students, so it's not only Estonians, but we want to increase the number of international students and also more countries where the students come from. In 10 years, we would like to accept up to 2,000 students, not only from Estonia, but also from abroad and hopefully also have other schools either in Estonia, but it, they could also be in Latvia, Lithuania, somewhere else in Europe, somewhere in the Nordics. So definitely our plans are that we want to expand, provide this kind of opportunity to more and more students who might want to learn coding so they could do that at Kodiofi. And I think that makes a lot of sense, not only because indeed there's there's a gap, it's still quite a new field and we still haven't produced enough professionals to cover those positions, but it's also good to provide young people with alternative options aside from higher education. The other day we were also chatting with one of the experts who was commenting on the fact that there's a high percentage of young people in Europe who are neither in education or in training. And I think initiatives such as this one really help kind of bridge that gap and provide shorter but also more professional and more dedicated trainings into a field that is just growing and that will keep growing for, for years to come. Yeah, for sure. 
because for example we have some students who have told us that they have either gone to vocational school or universities and they said that this kind of traditional education just didn't work for them even though they were interested in the field just learning the program in university was not something for them but here they're doing really well and they're super talented i think the general goal is that we have to have different kind of ways how you can learn the same thing and so everybody could find the fit that works for them and i think that's a very good point that you made also before when you said that it doesn't work from necessarily for everyone but there's people for whom it works really well and this is how education should be not just one thing the same mm -hmm. kind of teaching method or the same type of school even for everyone but just different types of teaching and, and learning for different kind of pupils and different kinds of learning and even different topics so you mentioned before you have international students but you also mentioned you have such a thing as a building so are you doing the training program remotely entirely since you mentioned it was online and also we wanted to know a little bit more about the age so you've set the age limit or the age minimum let's say at 18 what makes you choose 18 as an age minimum so originally when we started the school, the idea was that we want to have everybody on site all the time because there is a lot of teamwork and it's always easier to actually work with people when you when you see them. But how the entrance to the school works is that one of the steps there is this kind of three week testing period. When students come on site, they already start coding. Based on those results, we choose the students who get, uh, get to the school. And what we saw last summer when we were having the test periods that we had people who were I would say a bit older, uh, let's say like uh, in the end of 20s, 30s, 40s and so on, where they had families, who had other companies. And although they were really interested in the field, it was just not possible for them to move to Yofi where the school is and commit to it uh, full time. There we decided that we have two options. Uh, one option is that you can be on site at school uh, full time and study here. The other option is that you can do it remotely and then you have to come here for one week a month. About the age. So yes, the lowest age for us is at the moment 18, which is considered adult in Estonia. There were quite a lot of just also like legal reasons because it, it makes it easier for us to manage the people and uh, be responsible for them or they're actually responsible for themselves because they're adults. So last year, when we had the application process, uh, the youngest person who actually did the first step, uh, which is uh, kind of like online game, was 11, the oldest one was 77. And uh, when it comes to accepting the students, uh, obviously the youngest one was 18, the oldest one was 62. And our average age is actually 27. So we have people who, are who have come straight from high school. Some of them have not graduated from high school, so they have just basic education. We do have people also who have like multiple master's degrees. I think we even have like a PhD. So there's people with different uh, experience, different education level, but all of them understood that coding is something that is valuable for them and something that they want to learn. So age is not important at all. I think what matters is lifelong learning. If you are a lifelong learner, then you are welcome, right? Exactly. Uh, you mentioned a testing period and in this application process, we saw that this online test is performed in the form of a game to assess the applicant's memory, problem solving skills, logical thinking and so on. Can you tell us more about it? And also, why do you need this type of test before joining CodeOffice? So the online test is the first step in admission. As you mentioned, yes, it tests memory. It tests uh, this kind of logical thinking. The game doesn't have a lot of instructions. So whoever is doing it kind of has to figure out themselves and understand what they need to do. The goal of the game is to see how people approach it. Like if you don't have instructions to understand what you need to be doing, how many levels you can get through. But on the other hand, it's also about testing the commitment. So the thing with the game is that once you start it, you have to finish it with the same goal. So you can't pause it. You can basically have two tries at the game. 
if the, with the first one you don't succeed, you will also get the second one, but that's it. So it also puts a bit of pressure on the hopeful students who want to get into school. And as I mentioned, this is the first step. And the second step is the selection sprint or the testing period where the students actually have to come on site and they start coding here. So the idea with this school is that, yes, everybody can apply, but you still need to put effort also to get into this. But the goal with the, both the online test and the testing period or the selection sprint is that it's a bit of like a two-way test. So for the students, especially the selection sprint, is a way for them to see if coding is for them, if this kind of self-learning methodology is for them, if they like the other people who want to get into the school, if they want to spend two years with them. And for us as a school, it is a good way how to see the results because they already start learning Go language in the selection sprint just to see how they're doing through the three weeks. And the three weeks are quite stressful. So they have daily tasks, they have exams, they have teamworks and so on. So it should help us to do is to make sure that the right people come to the school. The program lasts for 24 months and it's a full-time commitment, right? How do you ensure that self-learning methodology is efficient, that students are motivated and how do you support them to learn? So how the program is set up, it's actually cut into these kind of six months periods. They start with Go language, then they have JavaScript, they have Rust and the specializations. All of those sessions uh, are up to six months and all of them start with a similar kind of selection sprint uh, atmosphere. We call them the piscine. So in French, it means the pool. So for like two to four weeks, it's again, they have a, like a bit more intense period that kind of throws them into the new programming language. They have more daily tasks and so on. And then they continue with the longer part of the program where they have longer deadlines. Uh, also from our side, we have set up this kind of co-working sessions with our technical team if they have some questions. Uh, we use Discord. So this is kind of a messaging app. We have different, uh, different channels for every kind of task so they can ask their peers. And there's a lot of really active communication there. As I mentioned, we have weekly code talks, so from our partners, from other interesting people. So there, there are different ways. Again, to be honest, I don't think anybody can keep their motivation super high for 24 months. You will definitely have drops there. And uh, it's, it's about just like, their own want also and what they see from the others around them also. I think that, that definitely motivates a lot that if people can see how others are doing, that they're still learning, kind of looking forward to the future and understanding that to get to that future, they have to go through this. Let's talk a bit more about that future. So what awaits them at the end of those 24 months? What are the learning outcomes? And if someone goes through the whole program, can they go from being a non-coder to being um, a full-fledged program? What we have seen is that the people who go through the program, they can be considered as junior level full stack developers and they have done about almost 4000 hours of practical work. So they have had quite a lot of practical coding experience. And what we're really working on with the partners is that as their future employers, that during these two years, uh, our, our students get to know the companies, so to understand the fields, understand the different jobs, understand what kind of methodologies that they use, what languages and so on. And the companies also get to know the students. Once they graduate, they will know where they want to go and work at and know what the company is doing and how it's like. I would also want to say that I think coding is again something that like a lifelong learner because there's new languages coming up, there's new technology and so on. And it's not the subject that you learn, you're done and you use the same knowledge for the rest of your life. No, like this is something that you have to keep learning 
finding out new sources, finding out like what, what companies and what people are using and uh, continue being curious and wanting to develop yourself. I think everybody benefits from this, not only students, but also uh, companies who get experts who they need, who they really need. From your perspective, we talked about schools and uh, how different your office school is from traditional schools. Would you like to share uh, your opinion or your pieces of advice on what can be changed, improved or implemented in schools for a more successful pupil journey? I think one important thing really that we need to do is explain technology more and show it more. I think like programming still has a bit of this kind of stigma that a coder is somebody who's sitting in like a dark room behind the computer alone and doing something there and that you have to be like really good in math and science to be a good coder. But I think we need to show more that it's approachable, that it's actually fun. And coding is more about uh, having this kind of logical thinking and being curious and wanting to solve different kind of tasks. So there are different ways how to learn it. You don't have to have like the top marks in math to do that. Uh, If you're interested and if you're willing to put into the time, I think that everybody could actually learn to code. And everybody should learn to code because in the future it will become as just knowing like a foreign language. Companies are becoming more and more technology companies. It is involved in everything and it just benefits you to understand how coding works, that it's fun and what you can actually do with it. That uh, if you know to code, you don't have to be just like a full-fledged coder if that's not for you. But uh, you can also work in business and you will have benefits if you know how to code. You can build your own company. Uh, If you understand code, that will also help you yourself to develop the idea further uh, and then hire maybe a developer who does it for you. Coding skills will help pupils in their future career, no matter uh, which field of work they choose. This brings me to a question about your career. You are not a programmer, but you are an expert in technology. So what inspired you to, to start a career in technology? I think a big inspiration is just the fact that I'm Estonian and I have grown up in Estonia. So before I started working in the startup sector, I I had already seen some of the amazing companies that Estonians have built up or been part of building up. And it it was just so inspiring. And uh, I could see how technology can solve different kinds of issues that people have. And also the people who are involved in the startup sector in the technology, I would say that they're really open-minded. They want to create change and they're willing to experiment to create this change. So that means that they're also willing to try out options that are not working. And this just makes it really interesting and uh, the people really fun to work with. As Ariana mentioned, I think there's a lot of similarities between your philosophy and aims and goals and how we understand teaching coding and technology in Code Week. So this is very inspiring for our listeners. And so, you know, to kind of wrap up the episode, I think one thing that I take out of here is how there's still a need to reinvent the way we teach and the way we learn. And so I appreciated the discussion we had today because it really made me think about new schools and new methods of learning. And I think that it's um, also so very important, as, as you mentioned, to orientate also education towards the end goal and towards the job market and towards the reality that's mm-hmm. out there rather than just textbook and classic exam and classic and the classic class, if I 
can say it like that, a typical class. But Ariana, what are some of your um, key messages that you get as well out of this conversation? I would say uh, it is very important that you are open to learning and that you never stop learning. Karin, before we close the episode, is there anything you would like to remark or say to our listeners? I think if we sparked anybody's interest in Kodiofi, I would definitely recommend them to find us online. Definitely check it out and I hope to see some of the listeners in Kodiofi in the future. Karen, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great to hear about Kodiofi Coding School and I'm sure that our listeners uh, have been inspired by this initiative that helps young people and not only young people but everybody who is willing to learn that helps them gain new skills and prepares them for the world of work. Thank you for having me. We hope you enjoyed this Code Week podcast episode and are now more aware of all the opportunities uh, around us that help us become better coders and also better coding teachers. And don't forget, listeners, to tune in next week for a new episode of the Codevic podcast where we discover new insights and new trends in the world of teaching and learning about coding, but also technology more in general. Goodbye. Bye-bye.